It's November 28, 1983, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. Just as none of us sensible people were involved in panic buying toilet paper during the COVID lockdowns or hoarding petrol when it looked like that was running short, I'm sure we none of us would have been involved in the riots that occurred today in history in the US back in 1983 when frenzied parents battled one another in stores to buy their child the toy of the moment, the Cabbage Patch Kid. So it seems like this broke out over the US, but the most notorious one happened in a store in Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania, where shoppers had been queuing from midnight ahead of the 9am opening in hopes of getting their hands on the toy the anticipation presumably was at boiling point when the doors opened and shoppers flooded into the store frantically struggling to grab one of the 240 dolls available at one point the manager had to wield a baseball bat to fend off a mob of desperate parents (laughs) it's extraordinary isn't it i mean you you think it's exaggerated but you can go on youtube and see the footage of people it looks like that bit in what's that awful arnold schwarzenegger film jingle all the way which is obviously based on this (laughs) it looks like that moment where People are, like, committing acts of gross violence upon other grown-ups to get hold of a child's doll. Grown women ripped dolls out of the hands of children. A stampede of shoppers trampled a woman in Virginia, breaking her leg. (laughs) Yeah, and that that store employee who was swinging his baseball bat, eventually to try to regain order, he starts tossing uh, dolls into the crowd, which only makes things worse (laughs) because the the shoppers are then (laughs) desperately trying to keep hold of them if they caught them. And the ones who didn't catch them, they think, well, you know, that this is fair game now and start to try to rip them out of, uh, of the other sort of fellow shoppers' hands. And then they have to make it to the checkout and five women were actually transported to Wilkes Bar General Hospital. One suffered three broken ribs and a broken right foot and spent several weeks after this in a wheelchair. Yeah, and in some other stores, the trampling, the pushing, the outright fight in the aisles led to the dolls being kept in cages under lock and key that could only be unlocked by store employees. <laughs> One store in Connecticut hired an armoured car to deliver a batch of just 24 Cabbage Patch Kids dolls. Apparently, even so, some shoppers would actually manage to waylay the truck drivers on their way to transport the toys and bribe them to put one aside. This was the this was the madness that was wow. breaking out. <laughs> okay, so there's one of two directions we could go in for the next seven minutes, right? We could either talk about the stuff you kind of already know, Tickle Me Elmo, Buzz Lightyear, <laughs> yes, it's happened again, Hatchimals, right? We could do that. But what we're going to do instead is talk about the origins of the Cabbage Patch dolls themselves because yeah. it's one of those things that you think is straightforward and then it unravels mm. like a revolting plushie. <laughs> so let's start with the sort of official history of the Cabbage Patch Kids, which is that in 1977, a 22-year-old artist slash entrepreneur, Xavier Roberts, created them, uh, making what he called little people by hand. Mm-hmm. They were soft sculpture dolls, adaptations of... Uh, traditional, historical, Appalachian folk little kids. And the novelty was that they were born, in inverted commas, at the Babyland General Hospital, Mm. which is really weird. It's a recreation of a maternity ward where employees in this toy shop play nurses delivering babies from cabbages. (laughs) Genuinely hideous. (laughs) The novelty is that when you get this revolting doll in your hands, it comes with adoption papers. So you're adopting a, a child and theoretically no two of the original ones before they were mass produced, no two babies are the same. The even more fanciful story is that 
uh, Xavier discovered these things when he was a 10 year old boy and he followed a bumblebee <laughs> behind a waterfall and was led into a magical cabbage patch and babies were being born there and that's why he called them Cabbage Patch Kids. Yes. <laughs> According to the Cabbage Patch Kids law, which was mostly written by the guy who would go on then to get them into mass production by Colco, who is a licensing agent called Roger L. Schleifer, he and his wife wrote this whole story that explains what Cabbage Patch Kids are. So they are supposedly born when magical creatures called bunny bees pollinate cabbages with magical crystals. <laughs> Roberts is, in this story, as you mentioned, portrayed as a 10-year-old who saves them from being abducted by a villainess called Lavender McDade and her henchmen, Cabbage Jack and Bow Weasel, to put them to work in her gold This mines. sounds like it was written by L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But the crucial thing that happened is you mentioned Colco, the toy company. So they intervened and they, well, I say toy company. It's a bit like our Nintendo episode where we talked about how you have these businesses that have been running for decades and then sort of pivoted in the 80s. So Colco, their prestige was making leather, like they made belts and stuff. Mm. But then in the 80s, they'd had success doing tabletop arcade machines. They'd spotted the potential of this toy that Roberts had been selling from his store and rebranded little people as Cabbage Patch Kids. Mm. And what was clever about what they did is the advertising strategy. So I found this interview with the VP of the advertising firm that they used, who said, quote, the key was understanding that kids also want to feel one of a Mm. kind and say to themselves, no matter how I look, I'm special. So they leaned in really hard to this idea of not only for children, is this doll a bit like you? It's special like you. It's unique like you. And you can love it more than any other doll because it's unique and it comes with its adoption papers. But to parents, this is a great nurturing toy, almost an educational toy for your kids because it brings out that side of them in a way that no other toy has before. Yeah. And I think it is brilliant. Like, there's a lot of different elements that made Cabbage Patch Kids such a phenomenon. The problem is that a lot of those elements didn't actually come from the person who we're talking about, Xavier Roberts. They came from another person altogether, and her name was Martha Nelson Thomas. Yeah, so she had met Roberts at a craft fair in Kentucky in 1976. Roberts was a fabric art student at a Georgia university at the time. And, and you'll never guess what she was selling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Quite. Martha Nelson Thomas. She was then Martha Nelson. This was before she was married. So she was selling her handmade doll babies, which were these lovely soft sculptured dolls with funny little faces. Well, based came... on Appalachian tradition. Yeah, based on Appalachian with tradition, actually. But the, do you know what? They really? actually did come with They looked freaky and weird. Roberts absolutely absolutely loved this concept so he asked permission to sell them in Georgia which she did grant but then and for reasons I couldn't find out she decided pretty quickly to break off this partnership well the way it's told now although admittedly to be fair in documentaries that clearly lean Thomas's way Mm. there's a heartbreaking vice documentary about this which I urge you to watch Mm. is that actually she was so uninterested in money that she didn't like the profit that he was making out of them she didn't want him to sell them at such a vast uh, cost to children I don't know if that's the reason but they felt yeah Well, and he then, in a very gentlemanly fashion, slightly changed her design to avoid getting sued and started selling them under the name The Little People. She did, in fact, sue pretty much immediately. She later set out of court in 1985 for an undisclosed amount, which she said would put her kids through college, but the implication being that it wasn't necessarily loads. And, my God, so I wasn't expecting to cry researching this topic. (laughs) However... Martha Nelson Thomas died in 2013 and her husband Tucker later said, talking about Xavier Roberts, he said, he marketed a product very well. I really don't begrudge him. Martha and I had a wonderful life together. It wasn't elaborate, but it was wonderful. I'm not going to trade in that life for a few dollars. Yeah. 
Well, it's very pure. He dramatically underestimated how many dollars <laughs> Xavier Roberts got out of this. <laughs> yeah. And I, I got to say, you know, the, in all of the things that Xavier Roberts didn't change, you know, the, the, it was already a well-formed idea before he even got to it. But the thing that he did of stamping his own name on the doll's bottoms. Yeah. His autograph yeah. on the feet, on the back of the jeans, like branding it's them. It's kind of reeks of a certain insecurity about his own yes. connection to this product in the first place don't you think you know i mean it's not an idea that you can necessarily patent well it was it wasn't then if you didn't put the word copyright on it you had to put the c with a little circle in 1980s children's toy patent law in the united states right. <laughs> it had to have copyright martha nelson thomas written on the doll and then she could have defended her intellectual property because the idea was obviously so clearly hers the adoption certificate and everything but she hadn't done that because she was doing folk tradition toys that were supposed to be cute she didn't put her name on it because she wanted children to have a connection with it as a parent Mm. not as a creation of her so she she couldn't uh claim that it was her idea apart from through this settlement well, by the time they became Cabbage Patch Kids under that toy company, Coleco, and they began to do this trick of making every doll unique, the way that they did it was that they had nine different heads that they could match with various bodies, clothing, and accessories. And so it turned out, dolls, that yes, each child could be like, well, that's my one. It's unique to me. So they launched Cabbage Patch Kids officially in June 1983 with this mass adoption fair at the Boston Children's Museum, which was a huge <laughs> success. And from then on, it was just snowballing, you know. And Colco definitely weren't prepared for this either. In the run-up to Christmas, they were making $200,000 per week. They were being flown to the US in chartered 747s. I think now, as you mentioned earlier, to call me Elmo, you have Beanie Babies, Buzz Lightyear, etc. But at the time, nothing like this had been seen before. Toy stores were completely unprepared. Shipments were selling out within minutes. There was this amazing story of like, so, you know, we've already talked about the fact that there was violence and actual mayhem, but also just the stress and strain of it. So the New York Times spoke to Morris Schleen, the owner of the toy chest store in Connecticut. He said, I can hear him already. <laughs> I was, I've got the voice in my head, but yeah. I won't do it. <laughs> he said, all last night, I dreamed I was eating coleslaw. I woke up in a cold sweat. <laughs> Tomorrow. He said to him, I'm not going to put the FBI on you, but you're goddamn going to serve. I can tell you that. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, part of the ACAST Creator Network.